Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. first scripture this morning comes to us from the prophet Isaiah chapter 7 verses 10 through 14. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz saying, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. But then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you, too weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child, and shall bear a son, and he shall, and you shall name him Emmanuel. And turning to chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. For a child has been born for us, a son is given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and His kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Those who are able are invited to stand. We have two texts from the New Testament. First from the book of the Gospel of Matthew in the first chapter, beginning with the 18th verse. Listen to God's Word. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means 
God with us. And then turning to the Gospel of Luke in the second chapter, beginning with the eighth verse. And in that region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Names tell us a lot about a person. Names also tell us a lot about the person who gives a name. And some parents ought to be ashamed of the names that they've given their children. It was several years ago that the governor of Texas, Governor Hogg, named his two daughters Ima and Yura. Some of you looked horrified. I bet Ima and Yura were horrified too to go through life being known as Ima Hogg and Yura Hogg. Now, some of you will not admit to listening to the music of Frank Zappa, but he actually named his daughter Moon Unit. That was in keeping with the day. And some given names are just funny. Listen to these. Anita Job. Anita Nap. You better not take one. Skip Dover. Charity Case, Chip Monk. Now pay attention, Lynn C. Doyle, Lynn C. Doyle, Lynn O. Liam. How would you like to be named Linoleum? Miles Long, Paige Turner, Warren Peace. Somebody after the chapel service came to me and said, I actually dated a soldier years ago named Sandy Beach. I love that name. And then she went and married a, a man named Lynn. True. All right, I love this one. Mary A. Richman. Heidi Clare. And Joe King. I'm not joking. <laughs> Names are important. They, uh, they have meaning. They say something about the person who carries the name. They say something about the, the person who gives the name. What is your name? Who gave it to you? What does it mean? Participation time. Turn to someone, someone you may know well. Maybe it's someone who gave you your name, but turn to the person and tell them your full name, even that middle name that you don't tell anyone. Tell somebody your full name. Okay, now... 
I can call you back to order. Nicknames. Some of us have nicknames. How did you get that nickname and tell somebody that story? No, we're not going there. <laughs> names carry the totality of the person. Names draw on memories. Names draw on thoughts and feelings that are associated with our names. Names carry our character, a personality of the individual. Sometimes that can be positive or negative. Listen to these names as I read them and what comes to your mind when you hear them. Is it positive or negative? How does it affect you to hear these names? Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Adolf Hitler. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Richard Milhouse Nixon, Martin Luther King Jr., Neil Armstrong, Lance Armstrong, Gabby Gifford, Pat Summit. How many of you know who Pat Summit is? Many of you. Extraordinary basketball coach for the women's team at the University of Tennessee. She won over a thousand games in her career, I think 19 SEC championships, eight NCAA championships, yet she was stricken with early Alzheimer's, yet lives courageously still with that disease. Think of a person who has impacted your life in a positive way. It might be a coach. It might be a grandparent. It might have been a teacher. Maybe a friend. Think of that person's name that leaps to your heart. And now turn and tell someone next to you that name. Jason just told me it was me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Our names, names of people that we know and love and cherish are things that should be cherished and honored and protected. There is power in the name. Now, depending on who's counting, there are some 198 names or titles for Jesus in the Bible. The list includes Christ, Lord, Logos, Son of Man, Lamb of God, New Adam, Second Adam, Light of the World, King of the Jews, Rabbi, Teacher. Do you have a favorite name for Jesus? Maybe it's Newborn King, Babe of Bethlehem, Bread of Life, Son of David, Lion of Judah, bright morning star, king of kings, or maybe you prefer the names of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah that we hear sung in Handel's Messiah every year at Christmas. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called, say it with me, Wonderful, Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Clearly, it is well nigh impossible to contain God, the Creator of all that is seen and unseen, light of light, very God of very God, or God's Son, much less, in one single name. Our language, our vocabulary, our minds are not able to adequately name this God. And maybe it's why Scripture has described Jesus as the inexpressible gift. If, however, I were asked to choose one moniker, one title, one name to describe the living Word, one name to call the God who put on flesh and came to earth to live among us as one of us. If I were asked on this day, in this season, at this period in history, at this time in the world, when airplanes are plucked out of the sky and nations threaten to invade other nations at the consequence of potential world war, at this time in the history of our globe with, with all of its bane and blessing, with all of its gore and glory, with all of its horrors and heartaches, if, if, it were, if I were asked at this time in the life of the church of Jesus Christ, where locally and globally the church is assaulted from attacks within and without, if I were asked at this particular time in our economy, as uncertain as it is, this climate of, of contentious politics, if I was asked for this time in my own life when I am trying to do as best as I can, as faithfully as I can, as long as I can, the name that I would choose is Emmanuel, which means God with us. This name, Emmanuel, is only seen twice in the Scriptures, and we heard both of those times that it is mentioned today. First, from the reading from Isaiah 7 in the time of King Ahaz. In, in the time of the kings, not a good time in the life of God's people. And God said, I will send you a sign. And a virgin will conceive and bear a child, and you shall name him Emmanuel. And then we come to Matthew's Gospel that is so intent on, on showing the fulfillment of the prophecies in Jesus Christ's birth and life and death and resurrection. And Matthew claims those verses as his Gospel upon the announcement of the birth of Jesus. And he says all this took place so that what was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled. The Lord Himself will give you a sign. And behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and you shall call His name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now make no mistake, yes, I am very glad. I am also grateful that Jesus is Savior. That Jesus is mighty King. That Jesus is Lord of my life. And I love that Jesus is Good Shepherd. I take comfort in the fact that He is both the Lion and the Lamb. I am amazed that God is the Everlasting Father and I praise Him as the Prince of Peace. But what I really need and the name that I long to hear and cling to is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. 
Because I need a God who is all of those things that we have already mentioned, but more than this, I need a God who is willing to come to me and be with me. A God who is with me in my doubt when I'm confused. A God who is with me in my mistrust and paranoia. A God who is with with me in my pain when I can't feel Him. A God who is with me in my temptation and my fallible weakness. A God who is with me in my pride and my selfishness. A God who is with me in my sickness because I cannot heal myself. A God who is with me in my confusion when I'm lost, in my guilt and the ugliness of my sin, with me in my joy in the mountaintops of this beautiful life. A God who is with me in my gratitude at His amazing grace. But yes, a God who is with me in the dark valleys, with me as I go through the shadow of death. A God who is with me when I'm up, when I'm down, when I'm in, when I'm out. A God who is with me when I feel all alone. Because if you're like me, you've realized that as desperately as we need God with us, we cannot by our own best efforts, but even by our anguished and fervent prayers, by our good works, our wishful thinking, our good deeds, we cannot get to God to be with God because we are not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We're not rich enough. We're not entitled enough. We're not sincere enough, innocent enough, humble enough. No, we are not good enough. And the truth is, we live in darkness and sin, cut off from God. There is a separation. There is a gap. There is a distance between us and a holy God. And the only way that I, that you, that we can be with God and God can be with us, the only way that we can find ourselves in the company of a holy, a gracious, a good, a loving, a living, a saving God is for that God to come and be with me to come and be with you in our darkness, in our sin, and in our need. The Gospel of John in his birth narrative of sorts says it this way, the Word became flesh. Jesus put on our skin. John says that the light of Jesus Christ shines in the darkness. And I love what Eugene Peterson says in his translation of 1 John where he says, and God came and pitched His tent among us. God moved into the neighborhood. This is what we remember at Christmas time when we light candles. When we go to the light of Christ and the light of Christ comes to us, as we light candles and fill this space with the beauty of the light of Christ, the light of Christ in our own lives, to remind us that we are a people who walked in darkness, a people who lived in a land of deep darkness, but on us in our darkness that light has shined. Hallelujah.
because we could not find our way out of that darkness, out of that lostness, because there is no light in us. Yet by God's sovereign grace, by God's mercy, upon us a light has shined. And we have seen that great light shining in the love of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Frederick Beekner is one of my favorite writers, and in his classic little book entitled Whistling in the Dark, he writes about Christmas. And he tells this story of a young clergy couple who have done all the things that a young couple is supposed to do on Christmas Eve. They have worshiped in the church. They have come home. They have fed the kids. They've strung the lights. They've decorated the tree. They have tucked the children into bed. And they have lugged the presents out of hiding and piled them around the base of the tree. And now they are ready to fall into bed exhausted until the husband remembers the sheep. His neighbor had asked him to feed his sheep while he was away. And because of the press of all of the other matters, he had forgotten them. But reluctantly, he dressed and trudged down the hill in knee-deep snow. He went into the barn and he got two bales of hay and lugged them to the shed where the sheep were kept to find some shelter from the inclement weather. And there he reached up and turned on a 40-watt bulb that, hand, that, that hung by a single wire. And there were the sheep huddled around his legs, watching him as he snapped the cords from the two bales of hay and began to spread them in the shed. And they came bumbling, shoving with their foolish, mild faces, and puffs of their breath could be seen in the cold night air. And after his work had been done, he reached up to turn off the light. But just before doing that, he suddenly realized where he was. He was in the manger. And he almost missed it. And Beekner writes, it is only by grace that he happens to see the miracle. Christmas by itself is grace. It could have never happened otherwise. Perhaps it is the very wildness and strangeness of the grace that lead us to try to tame it. The Word become flesh. Ultimate mystery born with a skull you could crush with one hand. Incarnation. It is not tame. It is not touching. It is not beautiful. It is unthinkable darkness riven with unbearable light. Agonized laboring led to it. A wrenching and tearing of the very sinews of reality itself. You can only cover your eyes and shudder before it. Before this, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, who for us and our salvation, as the Nicene Creed puts it, came down from heaven. Came down from heaven to be with us. 
do we dare uncover our eyes and see it. It is the resurrection and life that she holds in her arms. It is God with us that she pulls to her breast. Emmanuel, God with us, with you and with me. The Gospel of John goes on to talk about this birth narrative in this way. He said he came to his own. He came down to his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called the children of God. And because he came to us, and by his grace we believe in his name, he gives us our names, my children. You are my child. This is who God is. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And God came to be with us, to accompany us, and to do for us what we could not and cannot do for ourselves. He came to save us by dying for us and by rising victorious for us and by living with us and therefore with Paul, we can confidently say, just as Paul did, therefore, there is nothing in life or in death that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. So yes, if I had to choose one name for Jesus today, at this point in my life, it would be Emmanuel, God with us. On Christmas Eve, I usually see folks that I haven't seen since the previous Easter. You know what we call them, the C&E Christians. Christmas and Easter. Now, sure, there are the college students who come home for Christmas break, and there are the other family and friends that we typically see at that time of the year who are visiting relatives. But there are also those members who have been absent during the previous Sundays, and maybe there were many of them. But, but, but Christmas is a time when something happens. It's a time when our hearts are made more tender. It's a time when we are softened and despite all the frivolity, all of the frantic gift buying and giving, all of the hectic holiday mess, in the midst of it all, in the fullness of the season, we recognize that there is a void, an emptiness within us. And if we're quiet long enough, it speaks to us because it's a place that aches to be filled. After the service this past Christmas Eve, someone I hadn't seen in many Sundays waited until most of the worshipers had cleared and gone on their way for their Christmas Eve festivities. And as she came up to me, she reached out her hand and pressed a note in my hand that was written on one of those little scribble pads in the pew. And it said, 
Pastor, I have been so lost, feeling so alone. I'm choosing this Christmas Eve to come back to the God who first came to me in His Son, Jesus Christ. Please help me. And I want to ask, how is it with you? How is it with you at this time in your life? How are things? Is there that empty place? Is it time to come home? Maybe there's a reason that you're here on this rainy Sunday. Maybe it's a reason that you're here with us in worship through the television ministry, but for whatever reason, today is March 16th, 2014, and Christmas has come early to First Presbyterian Church. Why wait? Why wait till next Christmas? Why wait till April 20th and Easter? Why wait for the next crisis to hit your life and drive you to your knees? Why not today and now acknowledge? Acknowledge the place in you that can only be filled by our loving God. And say, come in, Jesus. Come in, Emmanuel. Invite, believe, receive the gift. For He is Jesus who saves. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And He keeps His promises. Will you pray with me, please? Loving God, we praise You and thank You for the gift of Your Word and the gift of Your Son. With humble adoration, may we, by the gift of Your Holy Spirit, recognize where we need to be filled and filled only by You. And so whether we are able or not, by Your Spirit and grace, we ask that we might receive You, that we might believe in You, that we might invite You to come into our hearts afresh today. For Your glory and for Christ's sake. Amen.